0: Welcome to Massive Late Fee, and now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone, welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark, with me as always is my lovely girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol?
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Not much, it's been a good week here at Massive Late Fee. It is February 9th, 1996. Yeah it is And I never know how to introduce this We are, we review TV shows and movies And we talk to you about the entertainment news Are you new? Is this your first time listening to us? God I hope not Every tape is somebody's first tape listening to the show
1: Are you a virgin? Ooh Are you Claire? (laughs) That's right Answer the question
0: Oh I love that movie We did that, we did that movie We did and, hey, this is episode 99. Holy crap. This is the 99th time that we have done Massive Late Feet, which means next episode is episode 1,000.
1: 1,000. Ha, ha, ha. I, f- I failed math. Wow.
0: No, it's episode 100 next week, and we're going to do a little something special. We've got a movie that we're watching, but we're also going to do something, We're no, no TV, no TV show next week, but we're going to do some little special...
1: You know what, though? Either. I disagree with your count. Why? Because for a while, we were releasing three episodes a week. We still release at least two episodes a week.
0: We've done more than 100 tapes. Yes. But this is the officially the 100th episode of this show, the main show. Of the other tapes, we do are different shows. We do the 90210 show. It's a different show. Whatever. Well, that's true. I mean,
1: it's not different to me.
0: It's the same amount of work, right? I
1: put the same amount of love and and time and into half-assed effort.
0: Into hey you now, hey now. When you get up to four shows. You'll have two full ass cheeks of effort into, <laughs> into the show. Yikes! No, you're, Carol always does a great job. I I rib her on the show, but Carol's always the best. Yeah, whatever. And if you feel you just like. Just to get lucky. If you feel like. Not tonight, you're way too tired. I am way too if tired. You, if you feel like rewarding Carol for all her hard work, you could go to uh, patreon.com slash retro late.
1: God, when you put it like that, I feel like we should be standing there with like a hat in our hands.
0: Like, I'm just saying.
1: No, if you want to enjoy the bonus content that we're making for you, that's not because not you want to reward our bullshit
0: well that is true we have a lot of bonus stuff that we're making for people over there but also if you don't want to do it don't do it, it you know everybody has their own financial situation going right. on if you can't afford it, it's cool we don't care enjoy this show enjoy the 90210 show we'd like to do stuff for free for you too so we love you absolutely so if you can afford it we'd love it it helps us but if you can't i mean you know that's no skin off our nose live your life uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of living your life, I wonder if Daniel Jenkins' life is going to change. Who's that? Daniel Jenkins is the new actor playing what was his name? Baskin? Josh Baskin? Yeah, I remembered it from the movie Big, the Tom Hanks role. He's going to be Josh Baskin in the new Broadway base the Broadway show of Big.
1: They're doing a Broadway yes. show? What the
0: fuck? Why? A Broadway show big and guess where it's opening?
1: Uh New York?
0: Both of Motor City at the Fisher Theater, right here in Detroit or Detroit. If you're fancy.
1: This is not okay though.
0: You don't like it? No. Don't you like that picture of, of him in the paper uh, on the skateboard and he looks so cool? And mm. he's got a he's got a suit on? No. People wearing suits shouldn't be skateboarding. <laughs>
1: Right? We'll see. I think they're going to ruin it.
0: The musical locomotive of the season is roaring into the Fisher Theater next week.
1: Do you want to see it? That's Sunday,
0: Sunday, Sunday.
1: Okay, are we announcing a Broadway show or are we announcing motor cars?
0: Yeah, tractor trailer. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's the voice I started to do, so I just went with it. Do I want to see it? Ah... not really, the movie's great, right? And I really don't need to see it performed live.
1: <laughs> nah,
0: no. but it's coming to the Fisher Theater. If you are interested, it is coming uh, to the previews right through Valentine's Day, February thirteenth through the fifteenth. Tickets are between twenty two dollars and fifty cents and fifty two dollars and fifty cents if you if you fancy. <laughs> and the regular performances are February sixth through March tenth, eight PM, Tuesday through Friday, two PM and eight PM on Saturday, and two PM and seven thirty PM on Sunday. If you want more information, why don't you go ahead and call one three one three eight seven two one thousand for the Fisher Theater? Yeah, get on that. Absolutely. If you want to go see Big in February February Let's say Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, nineteen ninety six. You want to go see Big?
1: That'll be the ultimate date night. Call that number. That's right.
0: <laughs> One more piece of news here. There's not much news in the news today, but you are familiar with the fact the Babalo Babalo Island. Are, Babalo Babalo are Babalo. you? Babalo are, are aren't you? Yeah, Desi Arnez There, you're you you're familiar with Babalo Island, aren't you?
1: Babalo, yeah. Not bob Alow, but Bob-low, sure. Well, what's the difference? What am I saying? You're oh, adding I'm an it's- extra syllable. It's bob It's Bob-low. Bob-low. Two syllables, Bob-low. Bob's-low. Correct. Bob's-low Island.
0: Yeah. You know, it's because it was founded by Robert Frakes, and the island was low uh, when the, the tide came in, the water rose, uh-huh. and the... It made the the uh, the island very low. That's why they called it Boblo, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't build any buildings on it. Really, you're could, so full of shit. Listen to what I'm saying. They <laughs> couldn't build any permanent buildings on it because of the tide. the The ground. Out, I'm sure you've been there. Is very marshy, right? So he came up with this idea. Let's build a like a carnival there, and that's why they call it Boblo Island. Boblo Island.
1: I don't believe you. Why? Because it sounds like a bullshit story.
0: That Why do you think they call bablo Island, then?
1: I don't know. Why do they why call do anything anything?
0: Why do you think there's no... F- <laughs> <laughs> why is red, red? Exactly. Why do you think there's no permanent buildings on there? I don't know. And you gotta take a boat to get there. I don't know. And you can't go there when it's high tide.
1: I still don't know.
0: Okay, well. <laughs> I mean, I did make it up, but how the fuck <laughs> could you figure that out?
1: Because I know you so well.
0: That's not fair. Uh-huh. Anyway, the boats are for sale. The bob boat. Apparently, I can't say bob The bob <laughs> <laughs> boat is for sale. You know, I've never seen it written out, and I always thought it was bob Really? Yes. That wow. Wasn't, that wasn't me doing one of my hilarious jokes where I mispronounced <laughs> something. That's funny. I really thought it was bob Anyway, so... The boats are for sale because the island is being destroyed by water or whatever. They're closing it down.
1: That's sad.
0: It is sad. But William Warden, he loves Detroit's famed Bob Lowe boats. Okay. He loves them so much that Warden, a $58,000 a year city official, arranged a deal with a city-sponsored development agency so his nonprofit foundation could buy the boats at a federal auction last month. The price tag... One dollar the development agency liked warden's plan to turn one of the boats into a floating maritime museum. Stephen Hume also loves the Bablo boats. He bid for the boats fifty eight thousand dollars was his bid <laughs>
1: and Damn. He lo-
0: and he lost. He claims Warden arranged the deal on city time and unfairly used his city position to coax the development agency, the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, to all but give Warden foundation. The hefty delinquent mortgage it held on the boats uh I mean, I agree he probably did <laughs> probably did use his city connections to foster that deal, and if you bid fifty eight thousand dollars sir and he bid a dollar because he had some secret deal already in place before the auction it it does seem like he probably fucked you over, yeah, but look at it this way. You don't have to shell out $58,000 for a Boblo boat, right? Right?
1: Because I can't,
0: no one's going to that. Are you going to that? I loved Boblo Island. I loved going on the Boblo boat. I loved playing Miss Pac-Man and all the other video games that they had on the Boblo boat. It was great. But are you going to go to a floating maritime museum to Boblo Island? No. Me either. You know who's going to go there? Teenagers that have nowhere else to make out. <laughs> that's who's going to go there. Maybe. And they're not going to have money. That's true. This, guy, this guy's this guy got a bad plan. I don't like his plan. They liked the economic, whatever, growth thing, liked his plan. I don't like his plan.
1: Well, I guess only time will tell.
0: Time's on my side. <laughs> anyway, that's the news for the week. Let's get into the televisual programming that we, we consumed this week.
1: We watched Mad About You.
0: Yes, we did.
1: And it was a weird episode. My microphone just attacked me. It did. It, you know, that's not the first time.
0: Any te- any episode with Joanne Worley is going to be a weird episode, though.
1: Is that the one that plays the doctor on uh, Star Star? Oh, no, that's
0: Gates McFadden.
1: Yeah, that's the one that I was thinking of.
0: Joanne Worley is the one from Laugh in the...
1: Oh! oh. <laughs> Yeah.
0: You gotta you know, the with the with the black hair and everything. Talk for a minute.
1: Okay, so in this episode, um, uh, Paul and Jamie are having a rough night sleeping because they went out to dinner with his boss at a like safari restaurant or something where they had like wild game on the menu and he wanted to impress his boss so he ordered ostrich. Both the girls, and it was his boss boss is a girl, Gates Gates McFadden. His boss is Dr. Beverly Crusher. Right. But both the girls were pussies and ordered salad.
0: (laughs) I guess that's fitting. (laughs) Why did she take him to this safari restaurant if she was going to order a salad? Right. Although,
1: we don't see what actually happened. We only see his dream. So maybe she ate something else in reality.
0: That's true. One of the annoying things about this episode is nothing is real in this no, episode. No, it's terrible. You can't tell when they're dreaming or when they're awake. When they when they were talking about that, what's her name? Oh, I can't think of her name anymore, but from laughing. When they were talking about her biography, Judy, Judy something. When they were talking about her biography, and I was like, is that a dream? I guess it wasn't a dream. I guess it was... The inspiration from the other the other dream they the laughing dream they had right but I feel like they did this episode just so they could somehow do laughing. <laughs> I feel like that that was the uh, Judy Carne that's her name. I feel like that was the whole reason they did this.
1: Well, you know when we were watching the episode because like I haven't seen all the episodes not like i religiously watch this show have you seen all the
0: episodes of laughing carol
1: i've not seen one episode of laughing but
0: i but i by the way am familiar with laughing i'm sure you are and i was happy i was happy that they did a laughing thing they had henry gibson on they had Artie johnson i was pointing them out did you
1: drink your ovaltine while you watched it
0: whirly no i drank my geritol that's why I look so, so young, because uh, Geritol <laughs> cures tired blood.
1: That, and you bathe <laughs> in the blood of babies?
0: <laughs> That's right, I get a transfusion. Like all those <laughs> Hollywood stars get that that remain young-looking throughout their, their days. Like in that movie She-Devil. Right. Or not She-Devil, the movie uh, Death Becomes Her.
1: Oh, that was a creepy movie. It was fun, though.
0: That's what I did. Yeah, okay. I just did it without the... Horrible side effects because I'm not dating Bruce Willis. So, (laughs) got off lucky there.
1: But the whole time we were watching it, I kept thinking, is Jamie pregnant? Is that why, like, she's having these dreams? And then it turns out that they they are trying to have a baby, and they're both nervous about it.
0: Yep, and that's why they're having these dreams. Because at the beginning, she does say, Dr. Beverly Crusher says don't, you got to go to Fiji, right? Yeah. She's like, you have to go to Fiji before you have kids. All the my friends that I know that have kids, they can't even get out of the house. Yeah. So you've got to go now. So Paul's thinking about all the things that he's going to miss. She's like, once I had Wesley... (laughs) I couldn't couldn't go to Fiji anymore, not even in the holodeck. It was terrible.
1: Although Paul's dream makes it sexy because she's talking about how she just walks around naked the whole time she's in Fiji. Yeah,
0: and he starts making out with her. On the table in front of his wife. I think he wrote this episode just to make out with Gates McFadden. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe the most attractive woman with the last name McFadden. (laughs) Or the first name Gates. That is a weird name. It is weird, right? Is she American? I, I think she's American, but I but I think she was born in America. I don't know. I think she was, but I'll bet you that her mom and dad were born in Ireland. Right. Because McFadden is one of the most Irish names I've ever heard.
1: And she's got the bright red hair.
0: Yeah. And I guess Gates? I don't Is Gates a...
1: It doesn't seem like an American name. No. I don't know. I I mean, I'm not great with the origin of name.
0: After your mom had her first child, how far did she get to the house... Before your dad knocked her up again. Gates. Wow. <laughs> that's that's how that's how the name came about. Oh. <laughs> that's all the Irish do is they fuck and they fight and they drink. Irish twins, right? I mean. That's, yeah, that's right. You know, see, the, is that not a grandma thing because you know that, Irish twins.
1: Why would that be a grandma thing? People still say that.
0: Do they? I don't know. Yeah. I don't keep in touch with the youth anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okie okay, dokie. Okay. Yeah, freak. But laughing. Yes, talk about laughing. Joanne Worley.
0: Joanne Worley. I wish Ruth Buzzy had been there. They could have brought Goldie Hawn back, but I'm sure Goldie Hawn didn't want to do it. Are Dan Rowan and Dick Martin dead? I don't know. Plus, by the way, it's so they have the, the laughing dream where they're doing the frug and all that stuff. Mm. And they have a conversation very similar. He's like, oh, you don't even know... You don't even know Judy Karn. You're so young, he says. <laughs> She's like, I know it. And, but, what the fuck was I saying? See, this is the Geritol. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh. He's getting dementia.
0: <laughs> no, so, so, what was I saying? Um, oh, yeah, it's implied that they have the same dream, they're dreaming. They're talking about. Oh, their, yeah. They're talking about their anxiety about having a child and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And then they both wake up at the same time from this dream. They look at each other and like, "What? Oh, what?" And they don't want to say what their dream is. So then, they like they start to go back to sleep, and she says, "Say good night, Paul." Which this is how they used to end. Rowan and Martin, laughing. Uh. Dan Rowan, who's the straight man, and Dick Martin was the crazy guy, right? Mm-hmm. The, the dummy or whatever. Dan Rowan would say, Say goodnight, Dick. And he would say, Goodnight, Dick. <laughs> so Paul says, Goodnight, Paul. And then they look at each other like, Ah, we were both dreaming on laughing.
1: Yeah, that's what, pretty weird. What
0: classic moments. So have you ever shared a dream with somebody?
1: Yes, I have shared a dream with someone, and it's kind of fucked up. My mom and I both dreamt that I was dying. She was in the emergency room watching me die. Mm. I was on the table dying. We both woke up crying and ran into the hall and hugged each other. Isn't
0: that fucking weird? So weird. What happened? What do you mean? How old were you when you were dying in the emergency room? I don't
1: know. I was like 12.
0: Oh, so it was you as you as yeah. that age. It wasn't like yeah. a premonition dream. No. It's fucked up.
1: But I mean, we're very close. Like I, I could
0: literally share a brain.
1: I could will her awake when she was asleep if I wanted her to. I'd just stand in the hallway and think, wake up, wake up, wake wow. up. And then she'd wake up.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. It's the powers of the mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Powers of the imagination. Oh. excuse me,
1: what do you mean by that?
0: <laughs> you've got you've got all these crazy stories about all crazy things that have happened to you.
1: Cause I'm crazy? Is she, that what you're in she, like?
0: She's psychic. She,
1: Maybe uh, I am. quick.
0: It's snowing outside now. Will it stop?
1: Ha! Amazing Kreskin. Asshole.
0: No, I'm making fun of the amazing Kreskin. Uh huh. Because of the thing we talked about, where he said it's raining and then that's not it's going to stop. Yeah. Anyway, so I I enjoyed the episode though because I like laughing.
1: I thought it was one of the worst episodes of Made About You I've ever seen, that's- and. It made me angry to watch it. That is so
0: awesome. I Why? I just I love that you hated it.
1: I hate the things that you love. That makes you happy. Yeah,
0: it really does. <laughs>
1: nice. Opposites attract, you know. Right.
0: I'll, I'll I'll go and hunt down my tapes of laughing. Oh God, no! And watch laughing by myself. Yes. You, know, you can you can watch whatever it is you watch.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll just go out with my girlfriends, and uh, you can you there can you watch
0: laughing. Just go out and dance. What? Mark, we just need to dance. <laughs> I just need to dance with my girls. Okay, go ahead. I, I don't dance. That's what you say all the time, though. No, we're
1: just we're need to dance. we're gonna go. We're gonna go hang out at the mall and the food court yeah. and see a movie. That's what we do.
0: Well, we see movies.
1: We also see. I see a lot of movies.
0: Well, what did do you we... think?
1: You see every movie with me because you don't.
0: What did we see this week?
1: This week we saw one of my. Most favorite movies, I think. Yeah. Um, leaving. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How can you tell so so quickly? <laughs> this is already broken into your top ten, huh?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, because again, it moved me, and those are the movies that I like. Leaving Las Vegas, super super it moved sad. Me. With um, Nicolas Cage, Nicholas Coppola, and Elizabeth Shue.
0: And I think her real name is just Elizabeth Shue.
1: Aren't you proud of me? Yes. I knew both of their names.
0: Yeah. Adventures in Babysitting, another another show that we did.
1: Isn't that messed up, though? Like, when you saw her, she plays a prostitute. Mm-hmm. But she played a babysitter in <laughs> the last movie we saw her in.
0: Yeah, although that movie came out, I think, in 87. Yeah. So it's almost 10 years ago. But she's very pretty. Yeah, she is. She's, Nicholas Cage she is not. She's about it. Yeah. She was also in Back to the Future. She was? Part two. Who was she? She was his girlfriend. Really? She re- she was the new Jennifer. Weird. Yeah, it is weird.
1: I only remember the old Jennifer.
0: The old Jennifer. <laughs> good old Jennifer. Anyway, so let's talk about good old Nicholas Coppola.
1: No, just Nick Cage is not very attractive.
0: Really? You don't think so?
1: I mean, let me put it this way. I actually do think he is, but like... (laughs) (laughs) So what the fuck was that? Are you trying to throw me off the scent? No, because I don't think that he's classically handsome or anything. Like, I don't think that he is one that people are going to be like, oh, he's a heartthrob, you know? So that's why I said it. But
0: I have weird taste. Don't you like his weird acting? (laughs) Let's get it on! (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, he is weird. But, but... Very good in this movie.
0: There's a couple times that he starts to lose it and go over the top. When he's in that bar and he's talking to the girl from Hot Shots. Yeah. But he's drunk. When he's like, hey, I want to go back to your place. And all that stuff. Uh-huh. But then most of the movie, he's very... Quiet, right, and controlled. Yeah, it's a good performance. Yeah, but it is overshadowed by a brilliant performance from Elizabeth Shue. Yes, in my opinion, she it- is the heart and soul of the entire movie. Okay, tell me why. Well, because I think that so his character is doomed. Yeah, it's it's a tra- the movie's a tragedy. But it's a tragedy with a possible redemptive arc, but not for him. His fate is sealed, and that closes his character off to us in some ways. It, it there are you know we can we can wallow in his pain with him, but I think we experience more of the emotion through Elizabeth Shue than we do through him. Hmm. Interesting. At least I do. Because she's she's like us. She's the audience. She's watching this happen, and she's not taking any. Because he says, you know, he says, "I've come here. I've come to Las Vegas to die. I'm going to drink myself to death, and you can't ever ask because they. She kind of falls in love with him, or she starts to fall for him after one night together, and." She says, you know, move into my place, stay with me, I, I want to take care of you. She wants to... And he's like a, a wounded animal yeah. that she wants to, to take care of, but he says... He basically says, you can't take care of me, you can't ask me to stop drinking, none of that stuff, and she agrees to it, so she's passively watching him destroy himself like we are.
1: Which is so fucked up, though, like, I, I don't know that she... Really loves him. Like, she says she loves him. But I don't think you could watch someone that you really love destroying themselves and not do something.
0: This movie, it's a metaphor, I think. Okay. For total acceptance. Now, this is an extreme example. Because what he's doing is not his personality. It's a choice he's making. But maybe alcoholism is part of his personality, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that can be part of somebody's personality. I don't That's think so, That's like just no. a disease that you have, like, diabetes can't be part of your personality, so.
1: I, I think, in at least, I mean, in most cases, and in his case, it just magnifies his personality, but it's not part of it.
0: But I think this movie is about total acceptance of another person. No one in his life ever totally accepted him. right. I think the writer of this, John O'Brien, is thinking that what she's doing is unconditional love. Right. Now, I don't know that I agree, but I think that's the writer's point of view.
1: Oh, I I, th- I think so, too. And I think that is um, Nick Cage's point of view, mm-hmm. is that that is her showing him love. I just don't agree.
0: <clears throat> he keeps calling her an angel, too, yeah. which I think is funny. Her name is Sarah, S-E-R-A. Which is plural for uh, serum, by the way, which is like, you know, like an antidote. Hmm. Like she's going to be his antidote, but she's not. Right. But Sarah, I think, like I think of seraphim angels. Oh, interesting. So I think, it, you know, that's, there's there's obviously that's, I don't know that, I, there are lots of this parts of this, I have to see this movie again. There's lots of this movie that I don't know that I fully understand that I need to watch it a few more times. I need it to sit with me for a little longer. To kind of understand it, but there's a lot of angel imagery. There's a lot of light and dark, yeah. especially the cinematography plays a lot with light and dark. There's a lot of non-linear uh, storytelling too, especially at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I didn't even realize it until you pointed it out to me. But it was
0: it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Yeah, well, the ring—the ring—tips it off. So if you watch the movie, if you, I don't know why you're listening, if you haven't seen the movie, but if you go see, him, if you go see the movie again, there's a point in the beginning. So he's—he's he's buying a bunch of alcohol for his trip to Las Vegas, and that's the very first scene of the movie—the
1: happiest he looks the whole movie. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. And then he's at one point he's trying to cash a check, but he's all—he's all shaky, and that's. That's another part of the movie. He visits a prostitute who sucks on his finger and takes his ring off, his wedding ring, with her mouth. And then the final scene, before we really get to Las Vegas, he's sitting down with his boss at some movie studio, I guess. He's He's a screenwriter. And he's getting fired. And he's wearing his ring. Yeah. So it's before any of this happened, and he gives him a check for severance. The check is the check he's trying to cash. Right. It all kind of comes into focus there. And then you have to, in your head, kind of piece it all together. And I think the reason they did that is to kind of illustrate what it's like to be an alcoholic. Yeah. Because we, we get all these flashes of stuff happening to him. Mm-hmm. It's it's all broken up. It's
1: very disorienting. Yeah,
0: and I think that's why they do it. It's an interesting choice.
1: It was kinda it kinda just caught me to that scene with him and his boss, like like a kick in the gut when he's like he says, you know, this is too generous. He's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we like him around and just the emotion when he's like, I'm sorry, because it's like he's sorry for so much and he's sorry to himself and it's almost like he's mourning his whole life right then.
0: Yeah. Oh for sure. And when he said we we enjoyed having you around, I think he's thinking I'm not going to be around. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's a double there's a double meaning there too. Now, I don't know if you know this, but this movie is based on a book by John O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Uh who's a writer. He he his wife left him, uh but she worked in Hollywood or something and she got him a job writing on the TV show Rugrats. Wrote, oh, wow. <laughs> he wrote one episode of the TV show Rugrats, and then he wrote this book. And, like, two weeks after they sold the film rights to this book, he, he, you know, the, the, this is his first novel, uh, he shot himself. Oh. So, and his dad apparently said that this book is was his suicide note. Wow. So... so yeah, you know, obviously I think it's it's somewhat autobiographical. You know, the guy obviously had some struggles. Yeah. I think that brings a depth to this too. That maybe well, I think it would be there either way. But I think his I think it comes from his perspective. Yeah. He had to suffer this deeply. I mean it's a, it's a tragedy, obviously. Wish he hadn't have killed himself, but he had to suffer this tragically to Write something this real and right. raw, you know. But yeah, it's uh, it's a super powerful movie. There are lots of things that, like, lots of questions <laughs> I have, and lots of things. One of my questions
1: mm-hmm. is: Okay, at the end of the movie, at the very end, right before he dies, yeah, she goes to see him, mm-hmm. and. He is convulsing almost. Oh yeah. Cuz he's
0: like he's having uh like not like he's having seizures basically. Yeah, from the alcoholism. Yeah.
1: Um not DTs cuz he's still drinking.
0: No, his his organs are shutting down.
1: Yet supposedly we're supposed to believe that he had an erection and that she then rode him to orgasm when she had a couple days before,
0: been raped. Well, in her ass. Still. Uh, which people were very, so nice about, too. God. Yeah, th- there's a lot of... This This movie doesn't do anything for the city of Las Vegas. No. Nah. I'll tell you that much.
1: But my question is, A... Is
0: it believable? Is
1: it possible? Mm. B, did they... Was that the first time they had sex? Because, I mean, I really think it was... Because I don't think he was capable of having sex that whole time.
0: Well, I didn't think it was. But then you pointed out, because we talked about it a little bit before we we got, before we started recording for you. But I didn't think it was. I thought they just had sex off camera. That we had, you know, they'd done some making out and stuff like that. She took her top off in in a public pool or whatever (laughs) so he could suck on her breasts. But... I didn't think it was, but then you pointed out some things, how he says, you know, I should ask them what it's like to sleep with you. And she said, you they, should
1: ask me sometime. They, I'd be happy to show you. Yeah, exactly.
0: And she said they wouldn't know all this stuff because apparently, you know, she doesn't make love to them or whatever. Yeah, it'd be She's different
1: with somebody she she was actually wanting to enjoy. I'm sure. So
0: when you pointed all that out, I said, no, I think you're right. I, that that all I never, I didn't get that. That didn't click in my head. But I think you're right. So I think then that we are supposed to believe that that was, they did have sex. So his fits and stuff like that, I would assume, come from some, not organ failure too, but some sort of encephalopathy from his brain. Yeah. His brain is swelling from toxins <sighs> that uh, you know he's putting into his body that the liver just can't bail out fast enough. So his liver's failing and his brain is swelling, and that's causing these seizures or whatever. In that scenario, could he get an erection? Probably. Uh, Alcohol's a vasodilator, so, I mean, maybe. I don't don't know. I mean, there's
1: so many times that, like, guys get too drunk to have sex, right? Yes. Agreed. And he's the most drunk I've ever seen a person. (laughs) But I think
0: the whole thing was because he's like, oh, you see how hard... I get for you baby or whatever or yeah. you make me. I think the whole thing was supposed to be that like that's that's his show of love, I guess or whatever. It's the movie is a little insulting to women, I think. <laughs> because she she doesn't have a ton of agency of her own. Yeah. She's in service of him or in service of Julian Sands. For a very brief point at the beginning of the movie, or in service of her clients, mm-hmm. she doesn't have a whole lot of power or agency of her own.
1: Nor does she want it. No, she has no interest in being alone. No, not <laughs> or at all. having to make her own decisions.
0: Yeah, and that's I think that's a you know that's a that's a choice in writing. I guess I don't know that it's super like I said flattering to women. She plays it beautifully. Yeah. And I think that Elizabeth Shue probably isn't like that at all. Probably not. In real life, because she's a successful actress. She probably has taken control of her life and has her own agency and everything. I don't know her personally, but I'm going to assume getting to the place that she's at that she does, and it's, you know, she probably doesn't agree with the way the character thinks, but she gets into the character and becomes the character, and it's... It's it's great. Yeah. Like I said, I I think I I think it's the best performance I've seen this year.
1: Yeah, it it was very touching. The movie. Moving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The movie's basically the two of them. Yes. So they have to carry the movie. And she carries most of their scenes. She he's excellent too. I don't I don't want to short shrift Nicholas Cage, but See,
1: I'm sorry. I, he's I I get what you mean because she's, you know, doing the emotional acting, but he is acting his ass off because I'm thoroughly convinced that he is sick and that he is dying. And, you know, all the things that he's going through, he does a really great job of portraying that, too.
0: Yeah. A lot of his scenes are passive, though. There 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 are standout scenes. Like, a lot of his scenes are passive acting, which is hard to do. So he's doing a really good job of it. But it's not I guess maybe it's not as flashy as, as some of the stuff that she gets For sure. to that she gets to do. But there are a couple standout scenes. When he after he's done so uh Mariska Harkite yes, is her name. She is Oh not Mamie Van Doren, the other one. Um the other Blonde bombshell from the fifties. This is another grandpa thing.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Sorry. The one
0: that died. The one that died in the car accident, tragically. And her and her, like basically, her and Murska Harka was in the car when her mother was decapitated. Oh my god! From this thing, and she has a little scar on her face. The
1: poor it. kid.
0: Well, she was a baby. She I'm sure she doesn't even remember. It. She's a baby. Oh. But I mean, still, it's tragic.
1: Yeah, it's just not as traumatizing if she was a baby.
0: No, she didn't. Yeah, she. she I don't think she would have remembered it from the age she was because I think she was, she was an infant. I'm pretty sure. But anyway, so I can't remember. It's not maybe Van Doren's the other one. Uh, Jane Meadows. I think Jane Meadows. No idea. Anyway, that's her mom. That was her mom. Uh-huh. So she's also a very beautiful. This is the first thing I've ever seen her. But she's also a very beautiful woman, and she like her mom, and she portrays a rival prostitute. Yeah, I guess. And Elizabeth Shue has said that she wants Nicholas Cage to see a doctor. It's the only time that she tries to take any kind of control over the situation. And he flips out and, well, and doesn't, Well, he flips out in a very quiet way. Yeah. And he doesn't talk to her and she just leaves. She goes to work as a prostitute and he goes down and gambles and, She, Mariska Hargitay, basically propositions him, comes home, Elizabeth Shue comes home and they're fooling around. In In her bed, in in her house. Right.
1: And he has not, and the slap in the face there is he has never made love to her. Yeah. But he's sleeping with, I think, this prostitute.
0: I don't know that they actually have sex or not. But she gets dressed real quick and leaves. Yeah. And so this scene, like I said, this standout scene. He's sitting there. Says hello, and then he says, "So should I sleep on the couch for a little while?" And she just cuts him off and says, "Get out." But his whole thing, he could, you could have played this a thousand different ways. Mm-hmm. He could have, he could have been. If he shows too much emotion, it ruins the scene. If he plays it too small. Like he doesn't care at all. If he plays it too aloof, it ruins the scene. If he does anything other than the very narrow line that he threads in this scene, the scene doesn't have the impact that it does. It's like he plays this just enough to where you can see the regret, but you can also see the calculation. Because you say to me, you said to me, do you think that that's what he wanted was to get kicked out? And I do yeah I think she crossed a line in his mind and even though he's dying from drinking there's still some brain in there somewhere that's capable of working things out and I think he worked to this he saw the I don't think he went down there thinking i'll I'll pick up a prostitute I think
1: he saw the opportunity yeah
0: and he was like here's a way I can push her away and I think he definitely meant to do it and I think you can see all that in that. In the like the three lines that he has in that scene yeah. before she cuts him off, and that's a standout scene from him.
1: And that's almost the last time they see each other.
0: Yep, they're both doing great work here. Yeah, I just think that hers is just a little bit above what he's doing, yeah. but I they but they both do great work here. But it's a it's a fantastic movie.
1: It really is.
0: Who is she talking to? Mm-hmm. We cut. Oh, in the movie, a therapist. We, we cut to her telling her story. Basically, you think it's just a just a generic therapist? Yeah, I was thinking therapist too, but I thought maybe we'd get more of a reveal. I don't know. No, just talking to a therapist.
1: I I mean that that was my impression. It was just that was her therapy.
0: There's a lot of really good visual storytelling going on here, but sometimes they they. They don't trust the audience enough, I think. Yeah, because at the beginning he's talking. He he mentions it one time uh, towards the beginning of the movie. I don't remember if I started drinking because my wife left me, or if my wife left me because I started drinking. But fuck it, it doesn't mm. even matter anymore. So we find out he has a wife that way, which is fine. Uh, and, but then we see when he go when he's clearing out his house to to move to Las Vegas, we see a a kid's bike not a little kid's bike but a a kid's bike and we think oh he's got a son cuz it's a blue bike it's mm-hmm. the straight bar yeah but then he then they show a picture of him of him and his wife and his son and it's like okay yeah we get it and it's burning in the fire yeah
1: he he burns all his shit he packages everything up mm-hmm. and puts it out for the trash or burns it yeah such a giant fuck you
0: yeah, it's it's a very, like, he wants everything gone. He wants every, and he burned all his writing. Like, he wants every trace of his existence gone. Yeah. And he sells everything, sells his car, everything's gone. Everything that, that could be left of him is gone.
1: Everything he could have left to his family. I mean, it's
0: yeah. really selfish. Oh, well, he's an incredibly selfish character. One of the most selfish characters. And I don't know if this John O'Brien, when he was writing it, realized how selfish he was writing this character or if he was just also this selfish or if he knew I'm gonna make this character one of the most selfish characters in literary history. Because this character is is all he does is take. All he does is consume and take yeah. and ruin things. And that's that's literally that's all he does. He's a he's a giant force of destruction.
1: He he liquidates everything into alcohol and consumes it until he dies. Yeah. That's
0: and the fire cool. consumes, you know, his life. I mean, it's it's a big a big motif, but yeah, we see the picture burning like three or four times. It's mm-hmm. like we get it. <laughs> yeah. You 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 figured it out. Here's my question. Is his son alive? Why would you think he wasn't? He doesn't talk about his son. We never see his son except in picture form. And the bikes there the mom didn't take the bike with her when she left. Wouldn't the kid want his bike? My thought is, at some point when they were married, their kid died somehow. Ooh. Either car accident, drunk driving, any one of the ways the teenagers die, right? Or, or young. I, he's probably like between, based on the picture, I'd say he's probably between like 10 to maybe 14 or something like that. I, I was thinking like 8 to 10. Okay. We'll, we'll go with eight to ten. But anyway, could have been an allergy, choking, who knows. There Could have been dad's fault. Yeah, could have been dad's fault. Could have been drunk driving accident from dad. But my thought process is, is he was a writer. They were married. They had a son. Their son died. That's when he started drinking. Yeah. That's when his life started spiraling out of control. That's how he dealt with it. And the mom dealt with it by, I we don't see, but... Obviously, she left, so she dealt with it in a more constructive and less destructive way, probably. They went two different ways, and they're dealing with this tragedy of their son's death. That's the backstory I have in my mind. I don't know if that... And if if that's the case, then I think it's brilliant. And not just because it's my idea, but I think it's brilliant visual storytelling. Yeah. You have to pick up the context clues of, why is the bike still there? She left. And all the stuff that's hers, except for like this one picture, which you know she ne- wouldn't necessarily take anyway. But except for a couple pictures and stuff, everything else that he's burning's his. Except for this bike, this, and he doesn't burn the bike either. This bike's there. Why didn't she take it? Well, here, here's the thing, though.
1: The other way this could go is maybe they just recently left the wife and the son, and they just hadn't gotten the bike yet.
0: I guess. But, I mean, in California, it's always biking weather, so I would think he'd he'd want it, yeah, that's true, and I mean, it's not like their clothes and shit was there. He cleans that house out, beds are gone, clothes are gone there's there's not a trace of their them having lived there there anymore, really,
1: huh, now I want to read the book. I wonder if it's explained in the book more.
0: I don't know, but that was the theory that I came up with that this kid this kid died, and that's what. Started the his downfall. Well, I
1: li- I like that. But anyway, and yeah, go ahead. You know, I mean, I know he was a terribly selfish character. Absolutely, yeah. But I think that he was a good person underneath. Like before this, like before you can kind of yeah. you can kind of see because, like I said, it kind of magnifies him. Right? He he's kind to people. He yeah. You know, he's not. A mean drunk. Aside from like one time he flips out, but he he's kind to people and he's funny and charming when he wants to be. What?
0: I just thought of the one time he flips out, which is the most (laughs) ridiculous. It might be, it might be the one mistake in the movie because based on every other action that he makes, it doesn't make any sense for his character to do this. But it's so over the top. He says to a waitress when they're at the casino, do you know how to make a Bloody Mary? And she goes, no, no, I don't. And he goes, what? (laughs) And then, like, pushes her to the ground, rips a, a blackjack table out of the ground, throws it over, gets tackled by security. It's just a fucking melee. Now, the way that they make this not a complete like, tonal, just, like, lead balloon in the middle of their story mm-hmm. is that it's all very muted. The sound yeah. is very muted. It's it's shot from far away. It's, it's shot almost like it's from the security cameras yeah. from the casino, and the sound is very muted. Because if it wasn't, if they played this very big and dramatic scene in the middle of their quiet little movie... It would have destroyed the tone of the film. That's a good point. So yeah, they had to shoot that. They had to shoot it that way in order to make it tonally match. But they wanted this to happen. They, and I, I don't know if they wanted this to happen because they wanted, they wanted uh, us to see how he was like, kind of hurting her life too. Mm-hmm. This was a place she worked, a place she liked to go to and he ruins another place that she likes to go to in the desert but that's more of a believable and more quiet scene he's just drunk he falls you know and every and all that stuff so that that makes a lot of sense but but this comes out of nowhere and like i said to you if why why are you asking the question if she can make a bloody mary if the if the answer no is so unthinkable to you <laughs> That you flip out and destroy everything around you like you're fucking Godzilla. I mean, it was really hard to hear. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm hoping that I heard right, that yeah. that's the conversation. I'm pretty sure
0: you did. Um, But yeah, it's fucked up. It's like, why even ask the question then? Just assume she can. And by the way, though, in his defense... How do you not know? Like, the waitress might not know how to make a Bloody Mary, but she must have served Bloody Marys. (laughs) She must say, oh, yeah, we can do Bloody Mary.
1: Right. Yeah, very weird. It's vodka and and tomato juice. With some celery. And salt. Sounds absolutely disgusting. I wouldn't drink it, but
0: I mean. (laughs) You know how to make it. Every bar in the world can make it. Right. They might not have the celery, but come on.
1: So do you th- what do you think the effect he had on her life was aside from getting her kicked out of places you know
0: the optimist in me wants to say that he showed her that love exists as a as a 16 year old or, or whatever maybe even younger she was obviously a runaway there's a little bit of dialogue that, that indicates some of her backstory with Julian Sands. Mm-hmm. You're eerie. Yeah. That she was a teenage runaway on the streets, hooking. He was her pimp or, or whatever, boyfriend, guy that cut her ass for some reason. So weird. And she, this is what she's known. Obviously, she, she came from a troubled home life. Or no home life at all, I don't know if her parents were there if they weren't there, who knows, but it was a troubled home life. She grew up on the streets, prostituting herself from basically puberty onwards.
1: Where are you getting that she started in puberty and that she was hooking before him and all that stuff?
0: I didn't say she, he was hooked she was hooking before him, but he he said you know you're not a sixteen year old uh, and he and, you know on the, you're like, right. So, he knew her when she was 16. Yeah. Wow. On the streets in Los Angeles. She left Los Angeles for Las Vegas to get away from him. And he found her. And he found her, yeah. So, she's come from that, right? And her whole life, it's been about using sex for money and and love for money. Being who everyone wants wants her Mm -hmm. to be. She says she could size somebody up and know exactly what they needed. Yep. And she always wore some sort of mask. While with him, she didn't wear a mask. She was just authentically herself. And she loved him and he loved her in his own fucked up way. They're both fucked up. But, I mean, some some species of that, or at least she <laughs> believes that. Yeah,
1: I think they both believed they loved each other. I just don't think they did.
0: And so maybe that's the effect he has on her, that she now thinks to herself... I can love and yeah. be loved. The optimist in me wants to say that. The pessimist in me wants to say that she will lose her will to live, basically. Oh, God. I
1: wouldn't go that dark. I think she's stronger than that. I mean... She looks happy.
0: I mean, not not happy. But when she's talking to the therapist, mm-hmm. she looks healthy.
1: Yeah, I don't think she's going to lose her will to live or something without him, but she's lonely, like, she's Mm -hmm. deep down lonely, like, that's something that even, you know, in that fucked up sex scene with Yuri, Mm -hmm. I'm lonely, are you lonely? Uh, Yeah, I think they both really were.
0: Yeah. What was going on with Yuri? Yuri got himself fucking killed. Yeah,
1: who knows? Oh, my God. It seems like maybe some kind of... I think... Okay. The day before that Mm -hmm. is when she came home with only the $500, which, shit, that's a lot of money for a night, that she earned from spending the night with Nick Cage.
0: And he could only get $1,000 for the stuff that he was trying to pawn at the pawn shop.
1: Yeah. So, and he got so mad at her about it, I think it's because he was supposed to pay them Mm -hmm. and he wasn't going to have enough money.
0: Yeah, some kind of loan from a mob from you know lithuanian mob or, or romanian mob or whatever they russian mob whatever yeah they were.
1: lithuania i believe
0: yeah so something like that obviously
1: but he had lost it like i don't know if he was high or having a psychotic break or
0: i think he was pro- i think it was probably some sort of psychotic break from knowing that he was gonna die the anxiety and all the stuff from he like he knows they're coming Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't have his money, he knows the only way this is going to end is by him being shot. And I think the fear and the anxiety and everything just caused him to snap a little bit and and not not ununderstandably yeah. because his his psychotic break is uh, they're talking about me. You can hear them, and it's like that would be what he thinks because yeah. they are coming
1: for <laughs> him. But and she had you know she made a lot of money that night. Mm -hmm. And she was happy to give it to him. And he's telling her, you know, he's letting her go. Like, I'm done. You know, I don't want to see you anymore. Don't come back here. And she leaves the fucking money.
0: Obviously, it wasn't enough.
1: Like, it was such a waste. Like, take the damn money.
0: I mean, I assume it wasn't enough. I assume he dies.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, he seemed pretty certain. Mm -hmm. I don't think there was any amount of money she was going to make in a night that was going to save him.
0: Probably not. Like, he... He was probably way too late on these, like they had been pushed to the limit, they were done.
1: But he did save her by sending her away. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the one good thing I guess he did for her.
0: Yeah, he got to have sex with her one last time, I guess, so good for him. Like two scenes before that, he, you know, has sex with her. Mm, I don't remember.
1: Oh, you mean the terrible headboard scene? Yeah. Yeah. I I thought that was longer, like, ago. Who
0: knows? No, I think that was like a day or two before. But anyway, yeah. So, but it's a great movie. It is. If you haven't seen it, you're insane because you just listened to us talk all about it. <laughs> right. We ruin ruined it for you. everything for you. For you. <laughs> but go see it. Go see it again. Yeah. It's really good.
1: See it. Think about it. See it again.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a little late to it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it was out last year. The very end of last year, yeah. But I mean, it's still in theaters. And, yeah, so it, I, I'm sure that, that they're going to get nominated for awards. So Oh, yeah. But, yeah, check it out. It was really good. Really good.
1: Made me cry. So it's amazing.
0: Now that is our episode for the week. Carol, tell people's things.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, go to our website, dot That's right. <laughs> Write us at latev 1994 at com. Mm-hmm. And tell your friends about it.
0: All right. We will see you next time. Bye.
1: Bye.